0: How you doing? Having a good week? Yeah, pretty good so far. What about you? How How's the weather out there in San Francisco?
1: Things are nice in my private office. It's uh, I've closed the window. You'll still hear the streetcar. It's very pleasant. It's supposed to be um, mostly cloudy today, so that's an improvement. And uh, it'll be um, in the fifties, which is nice. How about you? What's wow. it like there? Uh, you it like know, it's
0: it's it's a little surprisingly a little bit cooler than we, anyone here was expecting. It's in the mid seventies today. Wow, nice. It's nice. Yeah.
1: I miss the warmth sometimes, but not enough to yeah. be in Florida. That's, yeah. you know, I, really there's, there's uh, with the, I think Mississippi, um, maybe West Virginia. And the Florida, old that, miss. The old the three man. Places my, three places my wife won't move. Just for reference. Florida's there, you know. So, no offense. Nothing against Florida except, no. you know. It's <sighs> been a long time. Long time. But you enjoy it there. You must enjoy no, it there.
0: No, no. As you know. Hmm. today today's not the right day i don't think to do our florida show let me get out of here before we do the florida show Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i gotta hear about this
0: be too depressing if i'm still here while we do it so
1: clue a clue
0: is dropped but it is rain it is raining email here did you see i responded to. i couldn't believe it yeah historic for the first time in in the history of this show You've been, fee- well, no, I think you did early on to no, one Go or two ahead. Of them. Go
1: ahead. No, this is going to be a regular thing, Mr. Let's Talk About the Show at the top of the show. And no. let's make Merlin look bad in
0: context. Not with at go all. ahead. Not go at all. Ahead. I was going no, to give you a fun. compliment and say that the emails that you responded to, you, you're you so, in fact, you've encouraged one guy, you said one guy you wanted to make part of the, the show his email. I think we should do that.
1: I agree. I agree. I think, can I just be clear about something that I think is completely lost in the noise about That's Fine for Merlin? Yeah, go ahead, the, go only ahead, way, the only way I have time to do nice things is to not do everything. Just for what it's worth. I don't think that's the a only, weird thing. The only way I have... Say that again. The only way I have time to do nice things is to not do everything. Hmm.
0: That right? makes sense.
1: Well, it makes sense to me and make other people think that makes me a, a dick. It's like if I sat around and went, hey, Thanks you know, 5,000 times a day. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a, I make wine. But I, uh, I don't. I, I can't. Because if I did that all day, I'd never get to do anything. So, but that means that I can have a two-hour phone call with somebody who seemed really nice. just because yeah. okay. Anyway, I love you, Dan, just so you know. Thank you. And I love our email. I love our email. People are so nice. It's, uh, we, got a real, we got a bunch of really nice emails in the last week. But there was one in particular that really uh, jumped out at me Yeah. that I should probably go and find at this point because I made such a big deal about it. But somebody, and is it your understanding it's cool to use this person's... uh... He
0: says, yes, and you can mention my name. Okay.
1: We just call him Richard.
0: Just call him Richard.
1: Richard, Richard. Richard says here that he's a cross-dressing drug addict. (laughs) Specifically, he likes to do what he calls uh, Richard balls of heroin and and meth and cocaine and pixie sticks. That's kind of weird. I'd really get that needle nice and clean before you put that in. God, those are good. And uh, but Richard writes with with a really uh, something that I can really relate to. He calls it a quarter life crisis. I just I just called it being in my twenties and not knowing what I was doing. But do you want to read this? Why don't you're good at that one? Do you have? It in front yeah, of you sure, again? sure. Yeah, I can Why read it. Why don't you uh, excerpt this uh, for our purposes?
0: I'll, I'll excerpt it. Uh, he says the reason I'm writing is to ask if you could address an issue I'm having in actually getting to work. The problem, in short, is this: I don't know what i want to do to provide a little more detail i'm in my late 20s working a full-time menial clerical job alongside a part-time telemarketing gig to make sure i can keep a roof over my head food in my stomach and pay off the corporate masters i owe my education costs to neither of the jo- these jobs fulfills and uh yet i have to be cre- and yen he says but i'm thinking fulfills the yen i have to be creative that would be a good title the yen hmm uh, what does one do to find out what one is good at, suited to do, and their passions, etc.? This is, I guess, the crux of the whole quarter-life crisis thing. And he has a li- link to the Wikipedia entry on quarter-life crisis, which I'd never heard of.
1: You never heard of that? What about Saturn's Return? You ever heard of Saturn's Return?
0: I haven't heard of that either.
1: Oh god, go Google that.
0: Should we do the summary of how he got here?
1: Yeah, yeah. Here's and a quick- I mean, just so far, like I want to cry already. I know this is, this is already. Like, it hits home. I... I could do 10 shows on this.
0: Here's a quick background summary of how I got here. I thought what I wanted to do was programming and hardcore tech stuff. A quick trip to college beat that out of me, which that's a whole show right there, but revealed a passion for the written word. I think I was the only person at my first college who enjoyed English 101. So in my second attempt at college, I focused on that earning a bachelor's degree in English. All my post-college experiences proved me is not... Wait. Uh... All my post-college experience has provided me is knowledge of what I don't want to do. Sales, long story, teaching, and food service. What do I want to do? Hell if I know. I do know mm. that what I'm doing now, while tolerable, isn't it. And he's come to, uh, to us for guidance.
1: Mm.
0: He says, I doubt I'm the only listener in my age group with this problem. Nope,
1: only one. I checked. I Googled it. You, Richard, <laughs> Richard A., you're the only one, idiot. Oh, my God, Dan, we have got to do – we might go seven hours on this. I First of all, Richard, man, I have not only been in your boat, I have started your boat and not finished making the boat. <laughs> I've moved to another boat. I've borrowed boats. I've gone into debt to get into the boat that you're into. And it's – what you're feeling is so – Completely normal. Like Before we get to the how, how to be useful part, can we just agree, Dan, that, that everybody has this problem?
0: I think everybody does. I think he, what's different about Richard is that he's identified it so well.
1: <laughs> yeah, which really makes him like 10 years ahead of where I was. Seriously. You know? Seriously, seriously. I mean, the, the part about, gosh, where, where, where do we even begin? The part about uh, what you don't want to do, well, that that is actually so weirdly instructive. Um, you know, there's so much stuff you, you've got to do to stay alive and just keep doing something. But just having that gut sense of like, oh my gosh, I never want to do that again. I think that becomes a real artful thing. And I think it's why idiots like you and me go out and eventually do our own thing and go, I, I can't go work for people again. Like I could. I mean, it would have to be somebody extremely cool and a hundred times smarter than me because I just, there's so many things I didn't like about previous yeah. jobs And even as my personality has gotten a little less execrable and as I've gotten a little less socially inept, I still think I'm not that well-suited to be in an office. You know what I mean? All all the time or to be, I don't know, just to have the demands. I used to call myself an information janitor where people would never even notice what I did unless the toilet's backed up. You ever had that kind of job? Mm -hmm. I mean, I need to feel special. You know, I'm a special flower and it drives me crazy to just be evaluated like, you know, based on how many items of flair. Why? Why
0: do you think that is? I mean, the the whole I'm specialty. an only
1: child and I'm a narcissist and I also have a better, I'm a, there's probably some MMPI or, you know, Myers-Briggs or whatever. There's some kind of name for this, I'm sure. I'm probably an INP. But see,
0: companies something. companies need people like that too. Well, no, they don't. I mean, the
1: problem is, well, left to my own devices, somebody like me becomes a quote-unquote idea man, and I just sit around and go, ah, here's what you should do different. You know, Like, like, I have to go do maintenance day at my kid's preschool, and all I do is bitch all day. I'm like, what do you? I don't understand. So you want me to dig up this sand and move it and put it over there? And like me and all the other like knowledge worker dads spend all day like coming up with a better way to do it while the guys with the rough hands are actually working. Like I'm that guy. I'm the worst, you know. Although I have actually, you know, gotten better at finding solutions. Tip there: um, simply do your solution rather than offer it. (laughs) It will be much better accepted. But no, I think I'm the worst kind of employee ever. But the point of all of this is that. That should not – you have a second problem. The second problem is that you have a a crappy job and you're realizing whether you know it or not. You're learning like what it is that you kind of never want to do again. You have to temper that with understanding you're still in your 20s and you're nuts. But if you can temper that, I never want to do this again with, oh, I understand what my – in my case, I go, oh, I understand what my role was in making that bad. It wasn't just that the world was a dick. It's that I... I'm sorry, Dan. I've started cursing, haven't I? It isn't just that the world was bad. It's that I really contributed to that hugely. So if you can temper that, that will that will serve you well in the future. That is the beginning of expertise. Because the beginning of expertise is going, oh, I've dealt with this problem before. Don't you think? I mean, that's expertise. Expertise is not, I know how to make yeah. a program that doesn't crash. Expertise is, I've worked on so many programs that i understand when a new constraint is introduced i know what stuff i can leave out i know how to do pushback to get this thing and so on that's but in your case uh richard a i think you have already got the beginnings of expertise and you got a little bit of fire and there's nothing wrong with having that now the first problem so i say the second problem is having a job that sucks i think there's a huge first problem that i will own up to and i'm curious if you agree on this at all dan uh, there's this thing in America that sucks, which is this constant pressure. I talked about the Florida pressure before, Dan. Oh, like, you know, when are you going to go to college? When are you going to get engaged? Yeah. When are you going to get married? When are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have your ninth kid? All that stuff. You're, nobody's ever going to be happy with how far along you are at being the person they wish you were. But there's also this huge amount of pressure to jump into the next hoop, whatever that is. So if you're in high school, yeah, you go to college. And when you go to college, well... Obviously, now the pressure is to go find some job that'll let you assume responsibility. So you got to get a car with a car payment, you got to get a nicer apartment, you got to get I'm not saying everybody succumbs to this, but I did. You know, I was late to the game. I started college a year late, I got a job a year after college. So but, but by the time I was 23, I had a car payment, and was on my way to like getting engaged. And I which is great. I mean, it was great. I, I you know, I like my wife a lot. She was awesome. But <laughs> do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I really feel like it's not that hard to conflate progress with overcommitment. And then you become this incredibly ridiculously serious, over serious person by the time you're twenty five, even though you have no idea what you're doing and who you are, in my opinion. Does that resonate at all? Dan? Oh yeah. But you don't feel it. A lot of times you feel like you're doing the American thing, right? Yeah,
0: you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Not 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 even what's expected of you by a certain person, by your parents or, or what your peers are doing. But you just – you feel like this is the – there's some plan that you're following. Well, right? and
1: I mean, yes. And just to briefly beat the crap out of a system that deserves it – You know, when I was in, I've talked before about vocational wheel when I was in high school, where the most ambitious thing they wanted to teach you in junior high was like how to make a lamp and how to stay out of prison, basically. And I mean, your horizons are constantly being defined by these kind of beige authority figures. I really believe this. And so by the time you're getting out of high school, I mean, think about it. You're in a high school where you're in a class, you might be in a class with 50 other people. In my class, for example, (laughs) this is funny. I think there were 666 people in my entering <laughs> freshman class. The point being, there were over 2000 people in my high school and there were not that many special flowers. If you were a special flower, it's because somebody in the administration felt you, had, you know, filled a certain slot, right? Oh, you're like talented black kid. Or you're like, you know, volleyball girl. Mm. You know, it wasn't like somebody sat around going. Uh, high school's just wow. the worst. It's oh, just high school, so just bad. don't even. Oh, you know God. what I'm saying, Dan? And so, what do you do to be to be noticed and to be accepted and all that stuff? You either rebel, or you try to fit the slot. Right. Which did just, you like, do?
0: You you rebelled.
1: I did both. I, I like to think I rebelled, but I like I was. Did you wear
0: combat boots? Uh,
1: not even. I didn't even know where to get combat boots. I like had a catalog, <laughs> and I never... It was like i go to Tampa once a month with $9 in my pocket. Like I'd research where to spend my $8.69. So we'd go to Vinyl Fever, uh, Fletcher and 15th. They said Cut that a- closed. Three. Somebody
0: wrote in and said that thing closed.
1: That breaks my heart. I did their first website. The manager of the Tallahassee store was the other guitar player in my band, Lee. Hi, Lee. If anybody ever sees Lee's, tell him I said hi. Lee Lee's the owner. Anyhow, then you go to Wood Nickel across the street, and you could look at the bongs and the bondage gear and the magazines, and that was fun. And, but then you drive back to Newport, Richie, and just be sad again.
0: See, we had a place like that, and it's called Infinite Mushroom.
1: Was it on uh, uh, On OPT? 50. 50, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Infinite Mushroom, you know, they shut all those down. When I was in college, you could still go out and buy a pretty good bong in a strip mall, and that's not happening anymore. Whippets, not a problem although i never did this this place also
0: was legitimized because they were a Ticketmaster outlet you could buy your tickets sleep oh, out nice yeah
1: yeah it also if you put up a sign that said this is only for tobacco i think
0: yeah safe. you're covered you're safe yeah
1: i had some nice bongs but the trouble is, is the trouble is not that you are ambitious the trouble is not that you are trying the trouble is not that you are taking on responsibility these are all good things i think in my opinion, the thing that's troubling is a, the pressure to do that, whether or not that's actually the best thing for where your underdeveloped brain is. But the big problem is, in my opinion, there's so much pressure to do that and take on that responsibility that you do become overly serious, and you start developing, you know, if you were the same kind of person you sweated the biology test in high school. You're probably the person who's going to sweat the car payment in Mm. your 20s. You're now you do actually legitimately have obligations. In this gentleman's case, he now has you know debt in terms of school. I think we almost everybody has that nowadays. So already you have to enter life with this really ridiculous seriousness, even though you're really you are really like the junior college version of an adult. You know you are closer to a child than an adult. Not you, Richard. Everybody else, but you really are. You're a kid. I mean, until you're like 25, 30, you're still kind of a kid. And it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's a bummer to enter life with all of that, to enter grown up life with all that responsibility and seriousness. Because I remember looking around and that, I call them townies, right? The people who weren't <laughs> going and getting jobs or getting yeah. bar parents, They seem like losers. Yeah. They a lot seem of like
0: what's wrong with them? Why yeah, don't, the guy, why, how could you graduate with college without a job already? Exactly. And the yeah. guy
1: who would put all of his remaining loan money into a ticket to, to France,
0: you'd go <laughs> yeah. like, what
1: is wrong with you? Yeah. And you know, well, first of all, those kind of folks, they had an experience that somebody who's 44 and has a family he loves, I'm not going to get that. I never did that. And now I'm not saying I regret that, but just so you know, that's not always going to be there. <laughs> that chance to screw up. Yeah. And as I say in the, and that, God, that torturous name for this little promo I, I put together. It took me 45 minutes to come up with a bad Kubrick joke. But, but it's true, you're going to bomb a lot. And the problem is that you feel so much peril about that responsibility that you feel like those bombs are going to be with you forever, to quote Violent Femmes, you know, on your permanent record. So I don't know. Is that a good context, Dan?
0: No, it really is. And it, I just, I remember that time period of being in my early mid 20s and, Really, just hating what I was doing, not seeing a way out, feeling like I had the weight of the world. And relatively speaking, I mean, our, you know, our, our mortgage payment, our house was like a hundred thousand dollar house, you know. And it was, it was like looking back, we were doing really well, but we we were so stressed out about it. And I'm not saying that's the case for a lot of people. A lot of people are legitimately stressed out, but there's this perception that you you've got to be doing more than you're doing. That things, no, aren't, that things aren't good enough just the way they are, too. And that, I think, fo- folds into it. I, th- I think they're, on the one hand, yeah, he's got responsibilities. He's working these jobs. He's unhappy. Uh, so why why not why not make a change? Why not stop? Well, you know, it's one thing to say, like, well, let's just change it up and do something different. But then you've got this yeah, you ridiculous debt sitting you there.
1: You can't. I mean, you really can't. And so, I mean, the time I'm talking about for me, from the time I was maybe, what, I'll do the math poorly on this. From the time I was maybe twenty-two to twenty-seven is when I had my first like, like like I've talked about this office job with uh, working with Dave. (laughs)
0: Good times. But um, at that point, um, I still can't imagine that. In my mind, it's still. Here's the way. Here's the way. I imagine it. It's like a. It's like a trailer. It's like a trailer, and he's got the desk in the front part of the trailer, and you're over the side of the trailer. Everything's sort of the the sort of beige, brown, and tan colors of the 70s, and you're wearing corduroy, and you sort of work over in one part, and he's in the other part, and he's just – the job is is you trying to file papers while he talks to you all day. That's just my mental image of it.
1: You're not – too far off. A couple, <laughs> couple. Just if I can give you a couple of reframes. First of all, when, when Dave the marketing guy got hired at forty thousand dollars a year, which is a lot of money in Tallahassee, Florida, in nineteen ninety four. Yeah,
0: it's big money. it's pretty high good roller. Deal. He's a whale, as they they say now.
1: Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. And uh, first of all, we used to have. It was a very you know basically it was a place that did a lot of stuff involving medicine and law. So we had two libraries inside our office. We had half of a floor in an office building. And um, they because they, when Dave was coming in, they had to close one of the libraries to like move. They had to consolidate the libraries to make room for Dave and, oh, for his office, mm-hmm, for his private office. And so <laughs> and you have to understand when I talk about him having seven lamps and bookshelves, it's like it was the, it was a very small path in which he could move through because he was so obsessed with <laughs> filling his office. So he didn't just have a guest chair. He had like several chairs and then he had seven. <laughs> lamps. He would have lamps next to other lamps. They, they would be standing. It was like a lamp store. It was like a sad lamp store with a drop ceiling, like a popcorn ceiling. And it was awesome. So there was that. And there was Dave. And, and, you know, Dave always had a nice starch shirt. Now, I look kind of like Heinrich Himmler. I had on these, I had really goofy, like, kind of, I'll find a photo. I had really dumb, too long hair, slicked back with lots of, like, I think it was dippity-doo at the time. Slick back?
0: Yeah. I can't imagine it.
1: It's not good. It was not good. And I, I did. I looked like a... Um, did you have a goatee? Not yet. Okay, Mm-mm, which is pre-goatee, and I had uh, I did. I looked like I was in mm, not even a mid-level Nazi. I would be. I would have been like maybe. <laughs> I'm thinking like I think in somewhere I was an up-and-comer in like maybe rural Austria. <laughs> I'm thinking I had aspirations and maybe a leather coat. Wow. Okay, but I would wear. I got all my clothes. I had. Uh, I would wear. I was. I was very of the time. You know. So I'd have like a you know diagonal striped tie. With uh, some pleated dockers. I'd go dockers. Yeah. That was
0: a a thing back then.
1: mm -hmm. And I had a really messy office. I'll find a photo. I'll find a photo. But here's my problem. So I was making, uh, I was brought in at uh, 22 grand a year, which is not bad dough for for what I was capable of. And I got a lot of raises pretty quickly. I was lucky. But uh, my car payment was $237 a month. And I had a housemate. Um, So my rent was $200 a month. And, I mean, in retrospect now, that seems like a pretty good deal. But, like, of course, I mean, the thing is you can't – it's so easy, whether it's you or it's somebody else, it's so easy to look at anybody else's – I don't want to say problems, their situation and go, oh, oh, like nobody – again, that's fine for me right? Nobody has the same <laughs> acute problems that I have. And there's this wonderful Dennis Miller quote that I need to get right. But I, 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 I think he says – Nothing, nothing in the world is more important to me than my orgasm, and nothing is less important than yours, which I think explains most of life. And I think when – now, for you and I, we survived being 20, right? You know, when we survived it, we can be really glib about it. Once you survived, quote-unquote, having a, having a child, like especially when you're a woman, mm. heavy lifting – you get to brag about it and, and, and tell pregnant ladies about your tear and stuff like that. Cause you, you know, <laughs> I was in, I was in labor for 14 months. <laughs> I didn't sleep and I had to take care of my other six kids. I have a tear. It began <laughs> at my belly button and it went around, ended at my neck. I'm literally incontinent. Um, that's great. I'm not, I'm kind of sick in the mornings. Um, God, nobody can hurt a woman like another woman. Oh man, yeah, you know? <laughs> or three women—they can really hurt a woman. You know, so the tears are bad. You know, you hear about those a lot. Um, I think the trouble is, like, uh, that's two hundred thirty-seven bucks. Like, I liked making that money. <laughs> I liked making that was pretty good dough for me. I could go to Vinyl Fever now in Tallahassee, and I could go. I could go buy buy a DB's record and a Yellow Tango record. You know, and I could I could go. Uh, you know. I could go and buy some records. What are you laughing at, smart ass?
0: It's just uh, the the whole tear thing is still funny.
1: Yeah, did you get that when your when your lady? I was talking about a baby. <laughs> women. Love <laughs> women love telling other women. Uh, there's a chapter in the book about this, and and about <laughs> uh, just the horror stories you hear. Oh, I still can't drink water. I'm like why? <laughs> it's not, you don't want to know. <laughs> I don't. Know if this Doesn't even make any sense. You know when I was in there. They didn't have the thing where they put it in your spine. <laughs> they put alligator clips literally on your hobby. <laughs> I had four. They didn't have alli- They had crocodile clips when I wow. was there. They called them the Rustinators. Gynecology. So, uh, in this case, I just want to accept it. I want to take it as read that, yes, life is a dick when you're in your 20s, even though it's easy to sneer at it and go, well, at least you've got a job or whatever. It's all hard. And, I mean, the thing that's not going to help you at all, Richard A., is that that seriousness does start to fall away a little bit when you realize you're not going to die and when you realize you have no idea how much more serious stuff there is. Yeah. You know? And to be honest, I know a lot of people, and again, I'm not trying to slag, I'm not trying to look down, but there are people in their 20s that have still never had a super important member of their family die. There are people in their 20s who have never had a chronic illness there are people in their family do you know you know what i mean like oh, yeah. you haven't you haven't really taken it in the shorts yet a lot of people in their 20s i mean sure you could be some kind of jim carroll character or something but but by and large you know but that doesn't change the fact that you can become very serious now let, let's get to the the practical stuff and so yeah you you feel kind of stuck in this thing and i just i do want to give one shout out though the whole like b a in english thing like i don't think that's a bad thing And maybe that's because I'm sensitive about it. And I've talked about this before, but when I started college, barely got into college in, uh, what was it? August of 1986. I get that date wrong sometimes. But yeah, I was a liberal arts major. Technically, I was a cultural studies concentration in liberal arts. Hmm. Like like next to like, you know, putting gesso on the canvas expert, I had like the most useless major you could have, according to most people. And people freaking like laughed at me. They were like, I can't believe... I must also state that at this time, we were still kind of reeling. Well, for I, I, I went to college at the one time when I could have had a job and made money, right? There was the big recession of the early 80s. And then there was the other recession of the late 80s, of the really early 90s. So the one time in the 80s, I actually could have like made a ton of money and done coke. You know, you know I, I was in college when I was not doing coke. This was the Wall Street era is when I was in college. <laughs> But right, like
0: the Gordon Gecko era,
1: eighty seven. That was my second year of college. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but that time, I think people were still very heavily focused on things like vocational education. See, also vocational wheel. And, and I've told the story before, but it's true. I was enrolled in the United Electronics Institute. I had the parking sticker. I was ready to go to electronics school to learn to fix cash registers when I started college. You know, again, I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, I didn't. I I didn't go to Cambridge. Yes, but when I told people I was going to liberal arts school, they were like, "Are you kidding me? You're going to go to
0: liberal? Arts? What are you going to do? Well, what are you with- going to do after graduate?"
1: Yeah, and like today, I would say, "Be your boss's boss." But like, but like back then, <laughs> I would say, "I don't know." I would say, "I don't know." Like seriously, like today, liberal arts. I look at all. Look, I mean, I look at all my friends who are really successful and like cool and doing well. A lot of them didn't go to college at all. The ones who did went to law school and hated it, and now they can do whatever they want. A lot of them liberal arts majors. We all came out of college in 1990, 91, going into things like, again, interactive. Before the web, there was like CDI. <laughs> Tallahassee was a big CDI. Place. Oh, yeah, CDI. So I, yeah, this place in town, What's was it called? I forget what it was called, but they bought like the big Phillips machine, <laughs> sold it like three years later. But, and then that became the web for a lot of us. And just as once, I've told this story a thousand times, and I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but that job I had, I eventually came to hate it. Um, they were billing me out at 50 bucks an hour while I was making, at that point, I think f- maybe 36 was my high one there. But like I, I was making okay dough, but I was, I was getting complacent. I was having my Saturn's return, I think. And uh, go Google it, it's actually pretty interesting. And uh, I don't know, I don't believe in that really, but I-, I was definitely having some kind of something life crisis. And I spent all, I did the minimal amount of work I could. I was using Eudora, so I had the ability to make it look like I was sending emails at <laughs> two in the morning and uh, best app ever. And I, uh, I did what I, I did, I did pretty good. And in a crunch, of course, because of my style, I could just completely collapse on a project and be the hero. But by and large, I sat around and looked at pictures of Betty Page on CompuServe all day. That's what I did <laughs> on, the com- on the company account, yeah. right? Betty Page. That's it pretty much like yeah. that. And I looked at like uh once I got an internet account and I convinced my boss to get a 9600 modem. Yeah. I uh, I could go look at my email and I could go look at gopher Holes about the Simpsons all day. And I just kind of stopped doing my work and I basically in my famously passive aggressive way waited for my boss to give him a reason to fire me. And I mentioned told him I just kind of wanted to be fired. And unfortunately, I was fired like three weeks before, <laughs> before my wedding, which is really bad timing. But I kind of, I don't know what was wrong. I, for me, I never did anything cool unless I was forced to do it by somebody else. I never went out personally and saw anything cool in life. You know, it was just because something happened to work out some way or it did fall in my lap if I got lucky. Or more often than not, I got deliberately repotted by some crappy event. And I, I think that's, I personally think that's not unusual to people in their 20s. I, don't, I mean, there's a certain kind of ambition, but that ambition mainly manifests itself as an extremely conservative approach to incrementally moving up in your job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you think about that in terms of being a workout, like, you know, muscle wise, gym wise, well, that's a workout that's going to build a certain set of muscles that you're going to continue to work out because now you're good at that. You did not start going like, I'm going to take a bunch of risks because I know I'm not, probably not going to die. You go like, oh, gosh, I'm going to be really conservative about this. And I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell you why. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a contrarian. Maybe it's because I just wanted to – I don't know what I wanted. But I did get fired. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. But long story short, I started dicking around with the web and by 1995, I was making 15 bucks an hour to make web pages because nobody really needed a website. <laughs> but let's have a, let's have a different talk about the, having a web career in 1995 because it was pretty funny. Uh, Ask me about the guy who wanted a site where he could drop ship carpeting to your house. Really? Order it on the web. Yeah, he wanted me to scan the brochure,
0: He'd pick the color
1: and then he'd, he'd ship it to your house. And I said, I said, uh, how how would the
0: carpeting get installed?
1: <laughs> it would come in rolls? And he said, Yeah, it's high quality. You can get a discount on it.
0: Oh, so who's oh. gonna install that's weird.
1: I was like, Do you know any women? And he said, I don't <laughs> understand. I said, I said, <laughs> You never- said that to I him? I said, Yeah. I said, I said, My wife tries on five pairs of jeans before she buys one of them. I said, Do you imagine anybody's gonna buy carpeting based on a scan brochure?
0: Yeah.
1: He said, I don't think this is gonna work out. But um so anyway. Good job, um, I. Uh, but you know what, dude? If I had not, I talked about this uh, in that uh, talk where I cried at a Webstock. Yeah. It's true. If I hadn't gotten fired, if I hadn't gotten fired from that job or caused myself to be fired, I would not, I would not have learned to appreciate Betty Page the way that I have. <laughs> and boy, have I appreciated the shit out of Betty Page. I, um, I never would have started making web pages for money for bad money. But within within a couple of years, this is just my dumb story, right? I'm I'm not trying to make it about me, but I'm just saying, like within a couple of years, that was a gig, and I was doing the like, site for PC Expo, like one of the biggest trade shows in the world, just just by accident. But like I'm just saying, like I didn't die, and I ended up way better off. I st- then I started doing stuff with Live Journal. Then I started doing weblogs. 2004, I paid this 25 year old kid named Ben Trot to install movable type on my brand new pair account. (laughs) And I had to start learning a little bit of the shell. I had to learn about 755. And that, you can see where this is going. Yeah, And that, to me, like, you have no freaking idea what the next thing is going to be. Great quote from a terrible movie and a pretty good play, uh, Equus, you know, moments snap together like magnets. I love that line. And it's true. Like, you never know where your next magnet is coming from. It could be a magnet somebody's going to be hurling at your head. It could be a magnet. You find, you know, again, it's like you never know what that next turn is going to be. But what I'm trying to get at, the balance that I'm trying to get at is, you know what, you're probably not going to die if you try these things you want to try. Let's get to the specifics of that in a second. But, but just so you know, like don't, don't be t- – I know this is not that useful because I'm an old man. But don't be too, too, too terrified that not sticking with exactly the course you're on right now is going to kill you. Because first of all, let's say you get a straight job. Well, is your straight job making you that much money? Well, you know, you could have a straight job that's any slight, that is a slightly more interesting job for slightly less money is one idea, right? I mean, just think about that for a second. I'm not saying you want to go to Hollywood and become a you know, PA or something. But, you know, think about if you – yes, the hard part is figuring out what you want to do. But you really need to decouple the, what you want to do from the money part to begin with. I should say, so the second step might be getting that kind of job. But the thing is, like, what is it that really excites you? The, uh, you know, there's this talk I do called Future Proofing Your Passion, which is kind of a misnomer, but it's, it's a talk I give at colleges and I've adapted for businesses. But the notion is, what are the kind of steps that you can take without completely upending your life to figure out what to do next? Um, should we talk about that? Did you yes. want to talk? To, yes. I, I'm, I'm talking a lot, Dan. Did you want to jump in? No. Here? You should. You should jump in, Dan. Jump.
0: I like where you're going with this.
1: All right. Here's the thing. Oh, by the way, you know what I did? I bought an apple galette. Listen,
0: mm. There's a lot more moist. Can you hear that? So you're off to paleo? Totally, <laughs> totally. I gave up. You ever try and find elk? Look, like
1: you're hungry. You're hungry at three o'clock. How do you have elk? Uh, you don't. You, should, you don't need you, to. You should
0: go, sir. You, you should don't go. need to eat elk. You can eat other things.
1: Oh, for the love of Christ, I can't do this right now, Dan. All Dan, right. I need to make more money, and I need i need like a lady that brings me food.
0: Mm.
1: Sort of like the vagina thing. I'm going to need somebody that's going to bring meat to my room. It's a good episode. Here's the thing. The, the food you proofing your passion part, and, and this, this means a lot to me. <clears throat> if you are interested in this, this is very orthogonal to the talk that John and I did at South by Southwest. It's very orthogonal to like a million talks that I've done about this. Because this is uh, a Coleridge reference. Like, I'm that guy at the wedding that had to wear the bird around his neck. I'm just saying. Like, I, I could have seen R.E.M. with the DBs on my 18th birthday, but instead I went to see Starship and Night Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just be super clear about this. I was, this says a lot that that was even a decision for me. A, it lets you know that I had no money. I was very poor. But B, it tells you a lot about where my head was. Now, a year later, I did see R.E.M. with the Minutemen Men on my 19th birthday, But the fact that I went to see Starship rise out of the floor of Bayfront Center with Night Ranger opening for them. Mm -hmm. See, that's an albatross now. I have to tell that story and be embarrassed about it forever because I was so stupid. I have screwed screwed up my 20s so bad in so many ways. In some ways, it was great. Like, I loved my band. Like, I loved my friends. I loved the bar that I went to. I had a really good 20s in a lot of ways. Well, what was
0: screwed up about it?
1: What was screwed up about it was, A, I did have that sense of seriousness that even though I still really wanted to be a writer, the best I would do is buy a pencil and take a legal pad to this coffee place and sit there and, like, stare at the legal pad. Because I didn't know. I kind of wanted to write fiction. I really love – I don't want to say poetry. That's a term of art. I love verse. I like reading it. I like writing it. I'm not very good at it, but I really loved – I just loved modern poetry. I, I loved that. I loved drama. I mean, that is to say, you know, um, plays. I love all those things. I wanted to write a screenplay. I wanted to, to do – kind of wanted to do all of these things. But every time I start doing anything, I go, oh, God, this is so derivative. I would go, oh, my God, this is – I'm I'm copying Kurt Vonnegut, you know, I'm cop- copying George Bernard Shaw. I'm copying, God, I'm so copying Richard Hugo and Robert Lowell that it's nauseating. Mm. And I'd sit there and I'd stare at it. Then I'd get a coffee and I'd go home and I'd listen to that DB, DB's record I got. So uh, what I'm trying to get at is like I wish I'd knuckled down a little bit harder and I kind of wish I'd been easier on myself. Because I really did have the excuse of going like, well, I got to be up at 7 tomorrow. I did. I mean, I really did. That, that wasn't just an excuse. I did. I needed my, my, you know, whatever it was, $270 car payment or how 237 or whatever it was. And
0: I had that stuff. What would, you, what would you do different now if you could go I back?
1: But I see, you can't go back. I know. Because the thing you can never replicate is the world that you were in and the head that you had on your shoulders at the time. That's the problem. What I, what I, I don't want to say what I wish I did differently because I, li- I really like my life. I mean, not as much as Julia Roberts likes hers, but I, I like my life. <laughs> And it's good. And I like – again, I, again I, I'm kind of worried about how this talk will look on video because I did cry a lot and it. it was really weird. But like if I hadn't gotten divorced, I wouldn't meet, have met like my, my wife, where my wife, <laughs> my real wife that I'm with now. And uh, not that the other one wasn't. She was great. But you know I wouldn't have my kid. I wouldn't have – I wouldn't be here talking to you, Dan Benjamin. I don't know. I could be just like – I could be sitting there with Dave. You know, so figuring, maybe well
0: maybe a better question maybe a better question then instead people, of what what would you do people. different? No, is is what what is it that makes you say that you screwed, screwed it up? up? Because if you like where you are, then you didn't. Mm. 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 If you're saying you wouldn't change anything, then you you must have done a, a good job.
1: Yeah, but like what if I'd run into Betty Page, like a young Betty Page, and and she was like, Let's go do the thing you saw on CompuServe, and I was like, I can't. Because I have work
0: tomorrow. Missed opportunities then because mm-hmm. of perceived responsibilities.
1: Also, I wouldn't have cheated on my girlfriend because I just don't do that. It's the one thing in life I was good at. I didn't, don't cheat on people. But um, that's a bad example. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. I personally, I'm personally, just because of my nature, I'm not that sad that I didn't backpack in France. I know a lot of people who are genuinely sad that they didn't backpack in France. Right. And they're very regretful. Everybody's got this. uh, That's a great line in um, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, The White Buffalo. The White Buffalo.
0: No, yeah, I don't know what that
1: is. Oh my God. Cordry's Tour de Force. Go see, see, uh, you got to see Hot Tub Time Machine. Does it hold up? You know, everybody likes The Hangover. I I thought The Hangover was bad. Bad, I haven't seen it. Cordry likes it. I didn't like it. I'm telling you, Hot Tub Time Machine. So good! All four of the lead male roles are fantastic. John Cusack, perfect, pitch perfect. The way Matthew Broderick was perfect in Election,
0: he was so remember? good. I love. Oh that my movie. god!
1: And, but you looked at him and you went, "Oh my god!" You let yourself be really bad looking yeah, for this. Yeah. Cusack, Cusack, perfect.
0: Anyway, great
1: movie. My only beef, gotta say, they're a little sloppy with the references. I'm just saying, you would not have been listening to Safety Dance in 1986, 1987. Just saying, not a problem. Good movie. <laughs> Chevy Chase, scary looking. But here's the thing. What's, what's my point, Dan? What's my point? Oh, oh what are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, how'd I screw it up? Mm. Yeah. Because mm. if, if mm. you like
0: where you are, and mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. you got where you are is all the things that well, you've done.
1: if you agree with me on that Richard Burton line, uh, the second best Richard Burton line in that movie, moments, moments snap together like magnets, the best line being, the only thing I know for sure is this. A horse's head is ultimately unknowable to me. <laughs> That's Peter Schaefer. Um, is that it was a cascade of seriousness. Did you capture that? Mm-hmm. Because what started out as going like, oh my God, I don't want to screw this up. I went and I interviewed for this job and they loved me. They introduced me to single malt scotch and they told me they would give me to dollars eight, to $22,000 a year to have my own SE30 with a 19-inch screen where I would get to be a line editor. I would get to do things with words. And it was huge. And I'm so glad I did it. But that was kind of the beginning. Now, just before that, I don't want to sound like a bohemian because I kind of wasn't, but I was living in a garage apartment for $250 a month with one of like, those <laughs> things you could buy in Sears, at Sears in the late 70s. It was like a, an oven mixed with it was it was like something from a trailer it was like a range and a refrigerator and <laughs> like all in one and the, th- the top was like always like 200 degrees because it had a pilot light in it and I, I really loved it i had my own little little weird wood paneled room where i sat there with my two floppy drive sc and a jasmine backpack making newsletters
0: except and for I the, was, the i was i was the, poor
1: but i was happy as a clam i was on my own yeah. I, was, I was smoking, uh, I was smoking uh, cigarettes and uh, drinking cheap beer. And like, I was poor. I was crazy poor. I, I basically lived on, uh, I call it the coffee and ibuprofen diet because I just drank coffee and ate uh, uh, ibuprofen when the headache got bad enough. And then occasionally my girlfriend would bring me a 20 pound bag of rice. And that's how I lived. But I wasn't happy per se, but like, I'd get enough money together to go have like $7 all you can drink night at the gay bar in Tampa. Like, that was awesome. Just saying, Harley Davidson, son of a bitch. But I got that job, and then it was like, it was great. But on the other hand, that's when the seriousness began. And I wish I had been a little, not less serious per se, but I wish I hadn't felt that sense of peril. And this is the continuity with our previous visits, is that that seriousness for me transmogrified into fear and anxiety in the sense that if I lose this thing, whether it's my job or my girlfriend or my $237 a month car or whatever, like if I screw up here, I'm never going to be the same. Mm. Now, with the remaining time we have left, let, let's go into some specifics because I, I think, is that, is that cool? Yeah. So let's try to help Richard A. Um, First of all, again, I want to thank him very much for writing because it was a great note.
0: Yeah, he was really honest about it too. He
1: was honest, but like, also like the reason I felt it sounded like me was like, well, it was kind of a long email, which I love because that's what I, kind of emails I write. But it was like also, I, I, to just to, to pick up on that thread of like the English major thing, my um, my uncle, my my late father's hus- or husband. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me start over. My late father's brother. Um, I was visiting them. Um, I want to say, he was around the time of the air traffic controller strike. I was listening to the Yes, 1980. And, um, and he said something to me that sounded so random at the time. My uncle was a VP at Procter & Gamble, which is a big company that makes toilet paper and stuff. He was a big paper guy. And uh, <clears throat> you ever see, you notice, Dan, you ever notice on road signs, you always see a city called Perry on road signs, and you're like, why is Perry on this road sign?
0: I, I have not noticed that.
1: You notice it on 19 and uh, 75. Uh, Perry is this really stinky town where they make paper in North Florida. <laughs> Thank you, PNG. And uh, my <laughs> uncle said something to me. And this is, again, this is like a mega kind of thing. Like he was really ahead of the curve on this. And he said, Merlin, um, you know, at the time I was 14. He's like, just, he's like, the, what you, the kind of people I want to hire, like he's like, the best thing you can do is get a liberal arts degree, just get a basic college education or a liberal arts degree plus some kind of a technical skill and he's like you'll be able to do whatever you want mm. and i didn't know what any of that meant i mean to me that was all uh, all pops and buzzes i didn't know what any of that meant and but I, I now i totally understand what he meant and i realized he was way ahead of the curve what he meant was what first of all go to college okay in the words of mac miller my sponsor college is getting your ticket punched sorry nobody really cared about my thesis thank god my thesis was awful. I hope it never goes online. I have a search just in case it does, but it was awful. <laughs> but college shows that you can do two things. Get ready, Jim. You can put up with bullshit, and you can finish projects. Sorry, that's what college means. Unless you went to Harvard, unless you were magna cum awesome, like you basically have showed that you can finish projects. If you did it in four years, that's good. Mm-hmm. You just saved employers a lot of trouble because now they know you can finish something. But that's kind of really all that it is. But, totally agree. Yes, yes, but 1B... I gotta say, I love the liberal arts. I, I did not do it perfectly. I did not get the well-rounded education that New College was meant to give me. But I, I mean, I walked out of there feeling like I knew how to identify problems and use a library. And I knew how to write a sentence, not a great sentence, sometimes too purple sentence that was too Kurt vonnegut let's say. But I did know how to write a sentence. And goddamn, if there aren't thousands and millions of people who can't even write a sentence today... That at the time seemed pretty trivial. My love of words, my obsession with words and the musicality of language, that seemed so stupid at the time, but thank God that happened. Now, like, I've gotten better at putting those words together. And I'm really glad I've got that basic, I understand enough about relativity to make a relativity joke. I know enough about Hegel to make a Hegel joke. (laughs) Like, but it does stick with me. I do think about all of that stuff all the time. And then the technical skill, I didn't have it at the time. The closest thing I had to a technical skill was page maker, but I believe to this day that that's a great thing to start life with, is liberal arts plus, plus a technical skill. I really believe that. But then, here's the thing. I mean, don't distrust yourself because you have that kind of degree. If you made it out of college, oh my God, you're so far along, especially given how costly it is. And instead of just seeing it as this, uh, uh, you know, the world's going to see it as something with you getting your ticket punched. But... If you need to start realizing how much you know and how much you've learned, start thinking about that. Yes, start thinking about the jobs that you haven't liked. If you like, start thinking about what you don't like about your job. But then make that useful. Why don't you sit down and like if you you could even do some exercises? You could go to like that, it's called brain tools. There's a whole bunch of really interesting kind of um exercises that you can do with this stuff. This site's gotten goofy over the years. Tools for the brain, is that it? That's not it. We'll find it for show notes. But there are like exercises that you can do to basically find out what you think, right? Things like mind maps, uh, things like SWOT analysis, all these different kinds of things. This sounds dumb, but it will help you to externalize stuff that's just bouncing around in your head. And if you sit down and figure out stuff like, what is it you really know? Do Do you really? I mean, what did you learn? What did you get over? What things did you get past? And you may realize that you have already done a lot more than you realize. I say that because you need the confidence right now. Now, That confidence, if you can get it, if you can realize, hey, I did make it through school. I have managed to keep a job mostly. I mean, that's no substitute for what you're going to feel in 15 years if you're still alive. But to quote an old friend of mine with one of those annoying, annoying phrases that's so true, you got to fake it till you make it. I think that's an AA thing. But it's true.
0: how, How do you break that down? Fake it till you make it.
1: Fake it till you make it. I think I think that's an AA term. Nerds, does anybody know? But what that means is, like, even on the days that you aren't there yet, act like you're there. When you go into the job interview, act like you're somebody who's there to solve a problem, mm. not who's somebody asking for something. And the fake it till you make it part is even on the days where you're in that case not free of alcohol or drugs. Like, act like you are. You know, start become. Hung, be the change. Punch, but like it's true. <clears throat> sorry Gandhi, punch but like, I just hate when people say that but it's true, start acting like you're the person that you want to be, like I say, dress for the job you want um, and, and even though you feel like you're this slacker who's stuck. and by the way, Richard A, I did telemarketing too there's a whole episode of You Look Nice Today about that, she listened to it, it's a funny show but, but if you can do that if you can find that confidence and you know what, start realizing all the times that they didn't eat you Jesus H, Christ, you survived high school you should get a freaking parade you know? I mean, there should be some kind of a congressional award. You yeah. made it out. You probably didn't shoot anybody. You know, you didn't you didn't get all Whitman up in the tower. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> South by southwest is coming. Um that's an Austin joke. Um I guess so what's the practical advice now is uh the hard part may be figuring out what your passion is. If you if you accept that idea of future-proofing your passion. Um, I did this workshop at uh, Webstock about this topic, and what I said to these folks um, is, I don't think you need to become careless. I don't think you need to throw caution to the wind. I think one of the myriad problems that things like the four-hour work week have brought to the fore is this notion that you somehow need to, like, what does he call it, Um, you know, designing your lifestyle, like, Oh my God, that just makes my anus seize up. It's, what, a, what a term. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people can't design their lifestyle. And I will go into that's fine for Merlin mode here. A lot of us do have a lot of weight on our shoulders. And I think it's a terrible thing to just think that, that, that just this fantasy of what you can have is enough. Because it's not. But there are modest steps. Think about the independence and expertise issues. As mentioned in, I think it was in uh, S1E4. Uh, And S1E5 as well. Think about that. Think about, okay, let's say you want to stay on the straight track. If you want to stay on the straight track, again, think about increasing your skills. Think about what you could do even uh, internally, networking, politically. Are there people you should know? Are there people you should be talking to? But then as far as whatever your next step is, go back to the stuff that you've been really charged up about and do some exercises. Try this exercise. Um, If you did not have to go to work tomorrow, and you had the whole day off, what would you do? And then, so you go, oh, God, I got to pay bills. I got on my one." Okay, but like, what would you do if you didn't do that stuff? Right? What would you do if you wanted to say, what's one, one exactly one thing I could do tomorrow that would help me answer some of these questions that I have? I'll give you some tips. Um, Julia Cameron. Uh, Buster Benson summarized this well in in, in an email or a call we had one time. He said, yeah, Julia Cameron has these two great ideas and then like 17 books about it. But (laughs) (laughs) Julia Cameron, uh, something, something, artist within, writer within, something like that. She has two wonderful ideas um, that I can really suggest trying. Um, They all relate to all this stuff. First of all, something she calls morning pages. Every morning, no matter what, you write three pages. It doesn't matter what it's about. You just write. Go look it up, morning pages. It's great. Do it. Go do three pages. there. the other thing she talks about that's less well known is what she calls. I think she calls it the. I want to say the artist date. Nerds, anybody want to Google Google that artist date? And that is, uh, I think it's at least is it once a month, once a week. Uh, you take yourself on a date somewhere as an artist. And artist dates, yeah. So you could take yourself to a museum. You could take yourself. You could go anywhere you want, but go somewhere where you start absorbing not just your thoughts about this thing you're interested in and what are examples of this. Um, Yeah, Jason Permenter, you know, he used to be a geologist, right? You could go to a museum. You could go to a, a natural arts museum. You could go, obviously, you could go to a library. You could go somewhere where there's a talk, go to a lecture about some topic that you barely understand. I'm just saying, two things happen when you do that. First of all, you start pulling yourself out by the roots. You leave your house. You get out of your brain. You go somewhere you've never been. This is huge. And then second, you start just for even a little while, start steeping yourself in something that's slightly different from what you're doing. I've talked before, this is an old trick, this is an old what color is your parachute kind of trick, but pick up a book or a magazine that's way outside of your trade. Stop reading TechCrunch, just at least for a day. You know, you know maybe if you spent less time reading TechCrunch and more time actually starting a business, I'm just saying. But the point is, go and go somewhere where you're out of your element.
0: Right, do something completely different, right?
1: How many times have you gone out Like I remember being like again being like in junior high and going out and like with my mom's friends and meeting somebody and going like a you know a kid of theirs and going like oh my god I want to do that I want to do what they're doing you know oh my god this woman she's like she's like she's really into weird sex and she's been to Italy oh my god I want to know more people like this do you remember that feeling it's almost like that uh, who read that it wasn't Raymond Carver there's a great short story called Paul's Case. And it's about this kid who just wants to live this luxurious life with like every fiber of his being. And you've had that feeling, right? Where you go and you're the country mouse and you go and you see this stuff and then you come back and you're like, oh, I'm still here in right. Orlando or right. Newport. She. Well, start doing that more often. Don't piss and moan about where you live. There's probably more around you than you realize. Go to the guy who fixes clocks and go talk to him, Right. Go to, go, to, go to some, like the oldest librarian at the library and talk to them. Go to a nursing home and talk to people who are almost dead about how they made it through the bombing of London. There's all of this stuff that you could do. Go volunteer somewhere, right? One of those great emails we got this week is from somebody. His big courageous thing from, I don't want to say from listening to our show, but the, the, he's very kindly crediting to listen to this, is he finally volunteered at this place. He's never volunteered, right? What's the commonality in all of these things? You're getting outside of your head. You're getting outside of your your brain and you're letting your heart take you to somewhere that you wouldn't ordinarily go where it's not all about you. You're going somewhere. I mean, Jesus, just go to the airport and watch planes take off. Do anything. But there's so much experience around you that could tell you, oh, that's an interesting thing. That's something different. And you know what? That doesn't mean you're going to want to have kinky sex and live in Italy, but it does mean you're going to get in the habit of talking to other people and learning about other things. And you're going to stroke, stoke that curiosity that is ultimately what's going to tell you what it is you want to do. In practical terms, think about it in terms of going to the gym. Okay? So that's, that's some kind of mental stuff. But in terms of like the physical stuff and the, the doing, um, start establishing some kind of a habit. The morning, the morning pages habit, you could do worse than that. Don Murray talks about this in something he calls the day book. Um, gosh, Natalie Goldberg, we got a link to this. Natalie Goldberg's writing down the bones. You know, she's got some, these. I think it's nine rules for writing. You know, the first one is your hand can't stop. Ten minute exercises in writing. Whatever it is that you do, start doing it a little bit. If not every day, every week. Oh, I don't have time for that. Well, do you have three minutes? Less than the time it takes you to take a seriously good poop. What if you wrote for three minutes every day? What if you drew for three minutes every day, right? What, whatever it is that you can get a hook into that's kind of your thing, why not try that for three minutes every day? In the time it would take to play like a 1965 Beatles song, you could start doing it every day. Now, here's the thing. If you can't pull that off, then you need to pull your lens back even further, because you really don't have an excuse. There's nobody that can't find three minutes a day. You could do it while you're on the can. You could do it with one of those like beanbag lap desks. Sounds like an indie rock band. But you could totally do that. <laughs> but, then get, but the point is, I think the thread in all of this is indeed accepting the concept of change as something more than an abstraction. And by doing things, asser to make and to do, to start making and doing on the smallest level you can, Right? Again, another email we got this week where I was saying, saying, saying to that other fellow who had a similar problem, you know, you've got to, if you're wondering about your film project and what you're going to do, well, talking about your film project doesn't do anything with respect. Like, why don't you go out? I wrote, I wrote back to a guy the other day who said, well, like, I don't know what to do next. And I said, well, this is for you guys too. Take half a day if you can afford it, some Saturday, some Sunday, whatever. Firewall half a day to make exactly one thing. And that one thing could be 500 words for a blog. It could be, I think a short video is not a bad idea. But do something that's going to sort of unstuck you. It could be doing mind mapping and stuff. But I got to tell you, you first need to just, it's going to be hard for you to accept this idea of change until your hand is in motion. Again, nobody believes me until this is you start doing it. Consider the morning pages. Consider the daybook. Consider something where, again, wake up half an hour earlier, set the timer to make the coffee for you, and just say, this is now a thing that I do. In some sense, yes, take it till you make it. But get up and do it. And then you kind of no longer have, I don't want to say the excuse, but you no longer have this thing to fall back on of going, well, I really don't have any track record at all. Well, you don't have a track record that's going to stand up against Proust, but you've got something. (laughs) And it's you that is driving it, right? If you want to get a better notebook, fine. Buy one better notebook. But then you're not allowed to buy another notebook until that one's full. (laughs) natalie goldberg wonderful right again writing down the bones please read this book i got it i got it linked up natalie goldberg says um her job and again she's so great because she's so like fragile in this too like annie lamont like all these people that i love they're all like i suck at this too and she said my job is to fill up the crap she first of all she buys ridiculous you know um what are those called you know the um uh, spiral, spiral binders you know those crappy little notebooks that you had in high school Yeah. she said my job is to fill one of those a month and I fill it up, I fill every edge I said this is my writing like, I don't have to use margins I fill, but I fill every inch of that book with writing once a month, that's my job right? also Dan, uh, link to some, go google something I wrote called making the clackety noise that's what this is about this is, in my case as a writer it's about making the clackety noise my job is not to post things it is in a secondary or tertiary way my main job is to keep making words fall out Right? And so I think that's true for anybody too. I, I, I don't know what it is you want to do. Making films, making music, making visual arts, and making writing are for the come a, up a lot. But maybe you just want to make money, which is fine. But you're, and you're not going to probably get a big grant to go to Harvard Business School. So instead, like, why don't you figure out where you are right now? Like, before you make any money at all, like, why don't you figure out where you are now and start moving in the direction Of whatever is gonna take you closer to either discovering what you wanna do or to making what you wanna make. I cannot get away from the exercise metaphor. Whatever muscles you exercise are the muscles that will develop. If you ignore them, they will atrophy. And if you work other muscles to their exclusion, you're gonna be imbalanced. And if the only muscle you work is your fat ass, don't be surprised that that is the most sophisticated thing that you're working on right now, right? If you want, try moving your hand. And not just for self-abuse. Try getting the hand (laughs) in motion. And whether that's doodling, whatever it is. But build that habit. And I think these things start to present themselves. As ever, I don't have a big final answer for this. But I think that trying to reduce that sense of being stuck, trying to reduce that sense of being overly serious and worrying that that you're just going to be consumed by life if you don't succeed immediately... A great tonic for that is to start making something. Go try out for a play. Go, you know what, just for the hell of it, go apply for a job in a field you have no interest in just to go see what happens. Go in there and just be completely insane and go say crazy stuff in the interview. What's the worst thing that can happen? What are they going to do? I guess they could post something on LinkedIn about you. But why don't you go try something crazy? As we said before, why don't you go fail at something interesting just for fun and just to find out that like, you can run through that traffic and not die. You know? I I return to this metaphor a lot. Everybody's scared of the crap storm, but you want to go run into the crap storm, let it cover you with crap, but then keep running. And that velocity will take you well through your 20s. The crap will not kill you, it will be stinky, but you will not die. And so, to Richard A., I would just say, A, yes, thank you so much for writing. As far as figuring out what the path is, you don't even have to change much at first. You've already taken a huge step by writing to an internet guru, a fake internet guru. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, I had it a thousand times worse than you and I'm not dead. I can occasionally, uh, I occasionally have enough money to pay bills and like, it's, it's not, you won't die. Look at Dan. Dan's, Dan's, Dan's got a house in Florida. Look at you. Look at you, Dan. Look at you. And,
0: and an English degree. Wait a minute. English? Really? Yeah. Tech writing, but it's a bachelor's huh. in English.
1: Is that right? So you know like preterites and you know like subjunctives and stuff like I that. I did when I
0: graduated.
1: Huh. I, uh, I wished to have known those. Something. No, I, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Dan, do you think we're helping people?
0: I think so. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really nice. I mean, I'm I very reluctant to take anything approaching credit when people are nice enough to write. But it is super encouraging. You know, it's one thing for people, you know, I, I've gotten lots of nice email, I have to say, over the years from people going like, oh my God, I love your thing. And so now I've decided to become a ceramicist. And I go, oh, that's really, that, that is cool because it's nice to feel like you've had influence. But when somebody decides to do something, it's not nearly as cool as them going like, you know what, I just started a volunteer job. I go, oh, you really did something differently. To me, that's like, bingo to me, that's like when I get a, when I get a ribbon is like when I've made you less scared of doing something sometimes by being a dick that makes me so happy. Does it make you happy Dan Benjamin?
0: It does. And yeah, you know, I'm thinking more about this Richard and I'm thinking oh, that, Oh yeah, go, go by all means. Well, you know, the, the, the one thing that keeps me from wanting to say to him, quit your jobs and just go try something else is that he's got this debt. And you know, we talk I'm not about, saying, you know, I'm not saying, no, that, right? I know you're not. And it, it, when I think, you know, I think he's he's struggling with two things. I think, and one of them is fear, legitimate legitimate fear, and the other one is irrational fear. And the legitimate fear is if you don't pay your bills, people will come after you. Mm-hmm. So that's legitimate. He's got to worry about that and that. But how much of what's limiting him? How much of limiting him, of what's limiting him are the people who are listening to this? Because this is something that that. I've dealt with a lot is how much of this is the perceived repercussions, the perceived consequences, and how much of them are the real consequences? The yeah. things that, that, you know, guaranteed, if he doesn't pay his bills, those those people will find him. But how oh. much of that is hindering his decision? How much of that is keeping him from making a, a decision to try something else? I mean, it sounds like both, his two jobs seem to, to both suck. I mean, telemarketing... I, I done a little of that is kind of horrible, soul sucking, really, oh, no, really no terrible. No question.
1: No question. Did you learn anything from it?
0: Uh, yeah, I learned I never wanted to do it again.
1: Right. I, I, I had the worst. Go listen to that episode. I don't remember which one it is. I haven't I heard that favorite. one. Oh, Dan, why do you break my heart? I thought you liked the show.
0: Sorry, I let you down again. <sighs> don't give up on me.
1: Let's keep talking afterwards on after dark. I want to talk about my show because I'm very excited about okay. it. Okay. Jerk. But uh, I, I had the worst telemarketing job in the world. I, 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 I'm not to spoil the episode for you. I know none of you will listen. But um, Except you didn't like Adam so much. Oh, is Adam yeah. on that one? I'm, yeah, I'll listen oh, to that Oh, God, one. I'm so angry right now. But I had the worst one because like, <laughs> it wasn't even like the Penis Police Benevolent Association or the Kiwanis. Like we said – we said – uh, we're, we were told to say that it was the um, – Oh, God, what was it? It was the, oh, gosh, no, I can't even remember. It was like the, I was not Knights of Columbus, but it was, this, it, was a, it was a legitimate, like, you know, service organization that you heard. Oh, sorry. Hi, this is Jason. I'm calling for the greater Newport Richie area, J.C.'s, and we're hoping this year you'd be kind enough to help us send a retarded child to the circus. Nineteen hundred and eighty-four. I can still do it from memory. It wow. was a retarded child, and it was the circus. And to quote Adam, to quote Scott, for
0: good—no,
1: not for good, just for a night.
0: But um, which the, uh, which episode was this or time whereabouts? And I'll get it in. Oh, I'll find uh, sure I'll
1: it. it. I'll find it. But the the point being that like it was a terrible job and it was a scam. And a lady with a skin disease thought that my fake name Jason was actually my real name, and I made minimum wage at it. But I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot from hanging out with my friends. Uh, I learned a lot about human nature. I learned about how small I could be when I got so bored with it. I would just screw with old people on the phone. I learned a lot. Just like I got to tell you, man, it's like like in Israel. You know, you have to be in the army for two years or whatever. I think everybody in America should have to work in a restaurant.
0: Oh yeah, I think, I think
1: everybody should have to do front of house. We need to do. We attention. need to
0: do a restaurant show. Put that in your. Uh,
1: Let's capture that. Let's yeah. definitely do that. I'm gonna write that down.
0: Doodle that or whatever you do. I'm
1: gonna doodle you. so we can diary that. Do you, <laughs> you actually have you ever used doodle?
0: Yeah. When any time that that yeah. uh, you let's, told me about. I would try it.
1: We're, we're long, but let's make that a pick after this. The, um, uh, uh, the point being, you know what? Telemarketing does suck. It all sucks. I mean, like if you go and read my jokey little bio, it's true. What have I said that I've done? I have had so many horrific jobs. It would just freaking blow your mind. I love when I Google myself. I think I'm going to go blind. Uh, what do I say I've done here? Uh, web developer? Check. Project manager? Yep. Waiter? I was a waiter. I was a uh, busboy at Jay Lattimore's in Newport Ritchie for two years. I was a waiter in Sarasota. You ever work, for, uh, work with German tourists? Not big tippers. I worked, I wasn't even a hardware store remodeler. I cleaned up after the remodelers, right? <laughs> my, job, my job was to show up when the store closed at 9 p.m. and I worked till 5 in the morning, like carrying garbage out. Yeah, that was, yeah, welcome to being 19. It was yeah. the worst job in the world. I used to make courtroom exhibits. I was a telemarketer, and I was an uh, unprofitable indie rock musician. But I've had, I've had even worse jobs than that. I, I, stupid jobs. Every one of them, this is going long, and it's getting less interesting. But I really swear to God, I learned something from every job. It's just that in some cases, it took me 5, 10, 15 years to realize what it is that I learned. You ever run into people in your life that changed your life, and you didn't realize it for 10 years? Like, all that stuff you're getting right now, it's going to have an impact on your life whether you like it or not. Everything you're doing right now, everything you're not doing right now, it will also have an impact on your life. But, like, all that stuff that feels like just junk is actually really useful. It's just up to you to make it useful sooner, right? You know, if, if you can turn that unhappiness with that into something else, well, I think that's a pretty good thing. As far as the all the richer days of the world, though, as far as like some first steps, here's a really good first step. Accept that your job's just gonna suck for a while, and just try to be okay at it. Unless you want to be great at it, but at least accept that, you know, and try not to be too grudging about it. I kind of wish I hadn't gotten myself fired. I kind of wish I had the stones to just, you know, quit like a gentleman, because that also becomes part of this intransitive problem of like waiting for stuff to be visited upon you. I wish I'd gotten better at that earlier. Um, I got off topic again, but try and get into these habits. I'm going to um, post a few links here. This artist way thing's pretty good. Uh, what thread did I drop, Dan? I think we were wrapping up. My pick, is, my, my pick is Doodle. It used to be Doodle. When you hear me talking about Doodling so we can diary, I think it's now Doodle.com officially. It used to be Doodle.ch. It's
0: Doodle. Yeah, it's Doodle.com now. Easy scheduling.
1: Is this not the best thing ever?
0: It's very cool. I've only used it to schedule stuff with you, but I like it. Doodle, um, you pick. You pick some. No, this is different than that. Tungle. Did you uh, see the Tungle uh, me? No. I think no. it's Tungle.me. Scheduling made easy. Well, <coughs>
1: <They> <coughs> I compete. love Doodle. They compete I, I use Doodle for. Oh, does anybody really compete, Dan? <laughs> I guess, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, I use Doodle for tons of stuff. So Doodle.com. And I have a pro or whatever, a pay account, because I believe in paying for things, and, uh, except for music and movies. And I love <laughs> – makes some people so mad. Uh, I love Doodle, because what you do is you go into Doodle, and you say, okay, well, so here's, here's the problem statement, the business problem. Um, and this was the hardest part of when I was a project manager. Have you ever tried to schedule a meeting or a phone call with five people? And if you haven't, you're going to go, no. But if you have, you're already crying because you know that this is impossible. It is to quote, uh, oh, God, who's a comic I'm always stealing from. Um, Richard Pryor. No, no. <laughs> and the squirrel monkey, you got a dick in your ear. Uh, the, no, it's, uh, what's the guy? It's like shooting a bullet with a bullet. It, it is really hard to schedule a meeting. And uh, I, when you do it across multiple time zones, it's the worst. So here's what you do with Doodle. I've done this with You Look Nice Today stuff. Um, last show in San Francisco with Jordan Jesse Go. You got five divas to figure out when we all want to do the same thing. Doodle lets you go in and as a creator of this. So next time somebody goes, let's do a call. Yeah. And there's five of you, like, don't exchange emails. You know, can I just say to our friends, Lock and Gruber? Yeah. can we not schedule things by SMS anymore? This doesn't work. Let's stop this. Let's doodle, right? You go in and you say, okay, we want to have a phone call. And so here are 16 days. Let's make it simple. Here are five days that I am available at these given times. I'm available Wednesday at 9, Wednesday at 10, Wednesday at 11. I'm available Thursday at 3 and 5 and so on. You send that to all your people. Each person ticks off a radio button for each availability, right? Either this is my preference, B, I can do it, or C, I can't do it. Right, and you send it to as many people as you want, and then the robot tells you when the meeting is going to be.
0: Right, you don't have to worry about it, and it figures it out. But it kind of relies on you having most of your stuff in there, doesn't it? Because if those yeah, times can change, the, it, it's going to...
1: Here's the MacGuffin. It's the same reason I schedule all my calls on Thursdays, right? Somebody says to me, blah, 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 can we do a call? If it seems like something I want to do, I say, fine, are you available Thursday at 10? Uh. 90% of the time. I'll, it's actually more, but I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating. 90% of the time, they go, absolutely, that's perfect.
0: Does it tie in with like Google Calendar it's,
1: or anything like that? Doodle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that Well, part B. But part A, the reason I do that thing is like, how many, otherwise, what do you do? You go, so when do you want to do this? You know what? I saw my friend Nelson the other night at, uh, on his birthday party at this bar. I see my friend Nelson, and Nelson says, hey, let's go get sushi. And so I take out my phone and I write it down and I send him an invite. Otherwise, you know what? It's never gonna happen. And Doodle makes that easy. Um, if you had doodled me, so we could diary this, we'd have we'd have a legitimate show every week. Except you screwed up because you didn't doodle me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're absolutely right. It will then generate a Google Calendar. I don't know if I think it's per account. I don't know if it's per event. But oh, and the other thing you can do with it, I haven't done this personally, but. Do you remember what a death march it is to like say where do you want to go for lunch? Do you remember this?
0: Yes. Like when yes. I had that,
1: when I had that job, there was this regular group, and it was like, do we want barbecue? Do, do we want barbecue? Do we want to go to Sonny's? Do we, we want to go to the buffet sushi place? Do we want to go to the buffet Chinese place? Do we want? And you would sit around, and you go, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You send this out, and everybody ticks off their preference. So great, please use Doodle. You know, if you want to meet with me, send me an invitation or send me a doodle. Don't send me an email. You know, that's, that's weird. That's weird. Uh, It's like somebody, that's like sending somebody a letter, a letter to see if you can send them an invitation to a (laughs) (laughs) party, or sending them an SMS to let them, ask them if it's okay to send a letter about
0: Twitter. I'll direct Um, message you so that I can uh, find, get permission to email you.
1: You know, I had this post linked to this, um, about writing better email it's like, you should know. It's like a unit test, if I could use a term I don't understand. Like, if you have a unit test, you know that this thing should return one every day, right? When you run your unit test, this, mm-hmm. this what do you call it, a unit? Not a unit. What do you call that piece of code? Like, yeah, you, would, uh,
0: you would call it an individual you, unit of code, sure. unit, But
1: it's the smallest testable thing in your program, right? Yeah. And so you have automated tests. You write the tests even before you make the code, right? Is that, is that true? Do you, yeah. have, do you write the test first? Well, okay. I,
0: no? I, there's test-driven development, but that's a whole other
1: yeah, but that, most most that, real life,
0: that, most real life developers don't do any testing at all. Only
1: as I, I don't, is that, is that purely an XP and agile thing? I thought that was like, a no,
0: no, I'm just telling you real life. I mean, it's encouraged and it's, I it's, thought that was critical for, it, like it, a it small, is, but, it is, but I'm telling you what most guys will do, especially in huh. their own stuff. But uni, unit unit testing is that. a big part of uh, every, uh, you know, uh, tell, like tell a,
1: them what a, tell them what a unit test is.
0: Okay, so a unit test. This is the way that you're going to identify the what, as, pretty much as you said, at the smallest testable part of the software that you're writing, and you're going to break this down into the smallest components. Now, unit testing, by the way, is something that I, I first encountered it in the Java world, uh, and th- there's all kinds of different testing methodologies and different tools to help you test them. And in the Ruby world, which is where I spend my limited development time these days, there are tools like Cucumber and things that actually let you write plain, almost plain English to help you do your tests. But you're testing, run, your are In most
1: cases, it's every night. It makes sure that any check-in didn't break, right? Oh,
0: if you're doing like continuous builds and continuous testing, then yeah, yeah. Like you would commit your code and it would automatically be run through the test suite and things like that. Um, but those Those are more important when you're on bigger teams of people and and you need to make sure that the code that's been committed is tested and you're not relying on the individual developer to say, yeah, yeah, everything checks out, it's good.
1: But I, so, hate, I hate
0: testing. I'll be the first to admit that.
1: But the, well, in a, in a group, that would be like one person's job to kind of put that together. You wouldn't have to think about it anymore, right? I mean, it would be like you learn Git and it just goes, right?
0: Well, yeah, but you, you, still, have to be, you still have to write the tests.
1: I think you should have a mental unit test. Even if you don't do this all the time, I certainly don't consider having a unit test for anything you send to somebody, whether it's an email or an SMS or something. Um, and, and what I mean by that is— oh, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, so the mental unit test is, I will, what is the one that I want returned from this? Right? If it returns zero, it didn't work. If it returns one, and I don't mean it says for reply. Maybe that's your answer. Maybe the answer is, all I need is this person to reply. But like you know, <laughs> this to me opens up a set of best practices that's really irreplaceable where you say to somebody, you say, like, okay, eh, how's it going? Subject line, FYI. Um, so, uh, Things have been pretty good lately. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. We should really do something. Uh, yeah, meeting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, how, how about subject line? Request. Meeting, 8 a.m. PST via Skype, question mark, inside. Are you available for Skype meeting? da 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 and in my case, I include a Google invite right in there. I've already invited them via Google. Well, they can decline that. You know, I, I don't have to do the Outlook thing where, not, you know, I wouldn't want to add it to somebody's calendar. I can't believe anybody does that. Um, but, you know, that's an invite. It's something, it's, it's, it's to misquote a legal term that we misquote. It's actionable. I can do something about it, right? right? right. And the point, to me, the point when you send somebody an email is to say, well, you know, I'm expecting something from this, right? And the expectation might just be that they read it and think it's funny. But really ask yourself, like, what should change, to, to paraphrase David Allen, what should change in the world as a result of this? And then consider, consider making that a request or a question in the subject line. Like, here's my unit test. My unit test is, do you want to have lunch tomorrow, yes or no? Right? So obviously, in that case, you might want to get a response. But instead, really, instead of, instead of just thinking of this thing where you took a big dump inside of mail.app, think about it in terms of, like, think of it as, like, a request. Think of it as filing a bug. In some ways, it's filing an existential bug. Like, here's something that needs to change in the world. could be a feature request also, I guess. But um, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this. But that's why it drives me crazy when I get a thing, a t- Twitter thing. It's like, hey, here's an email about a thing you have to go read on a website. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I should be able to like, respond to that from right there. So think about that. Go read that post of mine, whatever it's called, something something, writing better email. Because really, I mean, and I, I collaborated with Corey Doctor on this because we both bitched to each other about it forever. This is back in the day. I don't I haven't talked to Corey in a while, but we both used to bitch about it, how people would send you these really long emails, and you're like, So, <clears throat> like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what do you what do you need? Do you know what I mean? And if you want an answer from a busy person, you should say right up front what it is that you need. Yeah. And then make it super easy to respond. Hey, look at that. There's a tip. <laughs> And Doodle does that to, to wrap up that that arc of yeah. our visit. Uh, Doodle does that. Doodle is is, is pure requests for decision making and action. You know what I mean? It's to me it's it's the only it's the only way to roll. There are others. Um, but I think that's pretty good for a pick and we're yeah, I like we're, it. We're 24 minutes long.
0: Yeah, that happens. Sorry.
1: That wasn't as bad, huh? That's no.
0: Great. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week, and we can maybe talk about restaurants.
1: Oh, I would love that. Did we answer Richard A's question?
0: I think so. I think, you know, Rich, you got to write us back. Yeah. Let us know. I see
1: here I got a new message from, do I want to show or ignore? I'll show. Oh,
0: man, he's not listening. No, he said he couldn't listen live, but he'll he'll download it. Uh, man. I'm gonna maybe he doesn't me. know that he can listen on his iPhone. Well, if you'd release that app like you promised. Well, yeah, but you can just open 5x5.fm and, in, in, oh, I'm Dan. Safari. I got an
1: answer for everything. Oh, <laughs> I don't have to ship. I'm Dan. Wah, look at me. I want a shirt. Well, what would our shirt say? I got a bunch. I think our shirt might say, I love you. I'm going to try and get a service mark on that. It might say, With just um, your face
0: just says, I love you.
1: Yeah, it might say useful and instructive. It might say, that's fine for Merlin. It might say, button it up. What would it say? What should it say? Ask I, the nerds.
0: I think I love you. It sends out a positive message.
1: So what am I so afraid of? Sorry. That was it's too much, too much. <clears throat> I like I love you. I'm going to try and get a service mark. So guys, quit using that. It's mine.
0: But uh,
1: actually, that was used well in um, a wonderful movie, Idiocracy. Did you ever see that?
0: I've seen scenes from that.
1: Oh, God. It's so good. Fox Basically, tried to kill it. That's where go, they, go, they
0: go back in time and, or forward, so go forward in, time in time, rather. Where,
1: like, the person who's the exact mean intelligence, the exact most average person, in this case, uh, Luke Wilson, uh, is now considered brilliant because people right. are so stupid. And it's so funny. There's this giant, giant fat guy, this greeter at Walmart. He goes, Welcome to Walmart. I love you. It's really funny in the movie. Really good movie. Well, let's link to that. Okay. I got a feature request for the site, too. You should fix something. Okay. Yeah, you know, we should probably talk about that offline. All right. Also, listen, seriously, uh, what's his name, Richard? Richard, get off the drugs. The cross-dressing is fine. If that makes you happy, <laughs> that doesn't make you gay. That just makes you fashionable. That is fine. <laughs> but listen, the uh, Wicom hairballs, you've got to get off. Get off the smack. You've got to quit chasing the dragon and start chasing your dreams. That's one to grow on. You want to button it up?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do. Okay, I love you. <laughs> love you too.